The Dental Practice Fixers podcast is brought to you by the Meadow Center for Dental Practice Success. To find out how we can help increase the success of your practice, check out meadow.com or call us at 1-800-258-0060. Hey there, I'm Dr. Richard Maddow, co-founder of the Maddow Center for Dental Practice Success, and welcome to today's extra edition, bonus edition of the Dental Practice Fixers podcast. Now, there's a reason I'm doing this bonus edition today. It's not required listening or viewing like all of our other podcasts that contain mystery shopper calls and tips to build your practice, but I do hope you stick around and listen. I think at the very least, you'll be entertained and you probably will learn something. Um, so the reason I'm doing this is that um, the Matter Center has been around for over 30 years, and we've helped thousands, hundreds of thousands of dentists and team members all across the world grow their practices and enjoy dentistry more. But the podcast, the Dental Practice Fixers podcast, has many listeners who have not been in dentistry all that long, or maybe just found out about the Maddow Center. And it seems like over the last few weeks, I've been getting a bunch of questions asking, like, who the heck are we? Why does the Maddow Center exist? How did you guys get started? And fair questions. Fair enough. So I thought I'd do a special year-end, year-beginning. You're probably listening to this in early 2023, so we'll call it the year-end, year-beginning. Special bonus edition of the dental practice fixers and tell you the whole story. Well, not the whole story. I'll try to keep it kind of brief. But if you've been wondering, like, who are these guys? How did the Matter Center get started and why? You're about to learn the crazy, crazy story about this whole thing. So I'll start with a little Matto family trivia. And that is three Matto brothers. I'm the youngest. All three of us are dentists. Ooh, weird. You get a weirder family than that? I don't know. As everybody asks, was your dad a dentist? Was your mom a dentist? The answer to that is no. But for some crazy reason, all three brothers became dentists. So I'm the youngest. The middle brother is Dr. Marshall Maddow. The oldest brother, Dr. David Maddow. It was really fun actually being in dental school at the same time as my brother Marshall. He was a year older and could answer any question I had. You know, at the time, when you're in dental school, you don't realize that the juniors and seniors really don't know what the heck they're doing. When you're an, an underclassman, so to speak, you think they know everything. So that was lots of fun. Always good to have a friendly, brotherly helper um, during my dental school journey, which, as you know, can be really, really rough. Okay, so here's how the whole thing started. I graduated University of Maryland Dental School, 1984. Four, did an amazing general practice residency at Mount Sinai Medical Center, Miami Beach, Florida. Um, came back home to my hometown of Baltimore in 1985. I think I was the only resident that actually came back to Baltimore. Everybody else stayed in Miami Beach. They thought I was nuts. So I came back here and like any new uh, graduate of a general practice residency, started looking for an associateship. I had two horrible, and I mean horrible, associateships. The first one, well, I'll keep it really brief. Let's just say I quit in the middle of a busy Saturday when I found that the owner dentist was putting all the all the procedures, all the good crowns, scaling, replaning, whatever on his schedule, even if they were my patient. And I did the diagnosis and treatment presentation. I'd walk in and see them magically wind up on his schedule. Well, that sucked. 
And I just walked out one day, said, this is not the place for me. Found another job kind of in a blue collar area of Baltimore, a suburb called Dundalk. Very busy practice, um, emergency based, a lot of extractions, dentures, treatment of pain. And uh, I loved it. Just learn how to get really fast and do great, efficient, pain-free dentistry. And it was a, it was a nice practice. And because of the nature of the practice, um, sometimes early in the morning, people in pain would actually line up at the door waiting for us to open the door. So obviously we had full schedules, but we also saw walk-ins, emergencies, things like that. And, um, you know, I thought I was the hotshot young dentist. And one day I got into a little bit of a, we'll call it a disagreement with the owner dentist. It got a little bit heated. I thought it was the end of it. Apparently, for him, it was the end of me because he decided to fire me. But he was too much of a wuss to actually say, Rich, you're fired. So what happened was the next morning I came to the office. I was the first person in that morning. And the emergency patients were lined up. You know, they had like the um, the gauze wraps around their heads. It was just a, always a funny scene every morning. And I went to open the door, put my key in the lock, and the key didn't work. And after a few twists of the key, I realized this was the guy's way of firing me. It's funny. One of the other associates used to joke around. They said, Dr. L has a locksmith on retainer. I didn't even know what he meant. It was just like a funny line they always used to say. And now I was the victim of the overnight locksmith. I didn't know what to do. I just looked at the emergency patients and said, I think my, uh, my key is jammed. I'll be right back. Drove off into the sunset. I don't know whatever happened to them. The rumor is that I went to a local McDonald's and was crying into my egg McMuffin. So I was determined to find a new dental practice. Now, of course, this was pre-internet. Um, so the way that I did it was I'd get in my car every day and just drive around the different suburbs of Baltimore, suburbs I wasn't that familiar with growing up in Northwest Baltimore. I you know, didn't know some of the other areas, so I would drive around. One day, I was driving past this somewhat decrepit shopping center, and there was a dental office in the middle, and I drove up there to see what it looked like, and there was a sign on the dental office that said, dental practice for sale. No kidding. This was a functioning dental practice, dental practice for sale. Well, that tells you a lot. I went in. I talked to the owner. The practice was just a failing practice. It was bankrupt. It was in debt. And I was able to buy it for an incredibly low price, which at the time I thought was great. Little did I realize I was buying a disaster. Um, the practice was was just hemorrhaging money. And here I was, the new owner who didn't know anything. So I took over that dental practice. That was my first practice that I owned. Okay, little bit of a sidebar here. My oldest brother, Dave, four academic years older than I am. So he graduated dental school in 1980. Had a very similar path, did a GPR. His was in um, North Carolina, came back, had some bad associateships, and wound up opening a dental practice from scratch, zero patients. Well, if that's not bad enough, he opened a dental practice from scratch with a partner. So he had zero patients divided by two. I guess zero divided by two is still zero. So you can understand the challenges there. New practice, no patients, two dentist schedules to feed, so to speak. So, um, they did a really, really great job building that practice up. So a few years go down the road, I guess it's 1986, 1987, whatever. We both own our own practices, and we also lived on the same street. Weird. Two houses away from each other. There was one house in the middle. And we both had young families at the time, and pretty much every night after the kids were in bed, maybe we'll say every workday night, 
We had a little ritual. We'd meet up at one of our houses, just kind of review how things went, what went well, what didn't go well. Here's a secret I learned to success today. You know, Dave would tell me a great secret. I'd say, here's something I learned to never do again. We didn't, we didn't realize it at the time, but we were building our very own and very small mastermind club. We would just brainstorm each other's failures and successes and take them to heart and use those lessons to grow our practices. And our practices started doing really, really, really well. And um, at that same, around that same time, we formed a study club in the Baltimore area. So this was an extension of our mastermind. We meet with a bunch of friendly dentists every month, talk about our practices, um, you know, talk about anything. There were no secrets were held. Everybody admitted everything. And we learned a lot from all these other great dentists. So again, we were expanding our mastermind. Now, being the late 80s, um, every dentist, not every dentist, but most dentists had collection problems because these truly were the days, the end of these days, but the days of drill, fill, and bill. And we all had collection problems. And this was something that was really frustrating to me and Dave. So one night at our nightly mastermind session at one of our houses, we said, we're going to design the best collection form in the history of dentistry, something to mail to our patients who owed us money because it was very frustrating. So after a lot of trial and error, we came up with this form called the Statement of Delinquency. It was a collection form, a piece of paper. It was actually a two-part, it's what's called NCR paper, where, and you've probably seen these before, the top copy is white. There's a copy right underneath, it's yellow. And when you write or type on the top copy, it goes through to the second yellow copy. And that copy is obviously the second copy. So the strategy was we had this very striking, kind of threatening looking collection form. We'd write or type on the first copy, mail the second copy, the yellow copy to our patient who owed us money in a window envelope. So their name was showing through. They could see it was a copy. It looked important. It was scary. And amazingly, when these collection forms went out, Many times the next day or the day after, patients would come running into the office, collection form in one hand, cash, check, or credit card in the other hand to pay off their debt because they thought something bad was going to happen if they didn't. These things were great. We used to call it the magic form. So that was really cool. Okay. Now we'll flash forward maybe a few months. We're still brainstorming, masterminding, enjoying a lot of success in our practices. The magic form is working super well. and. Since we were a weird, close family, we were vacation together. So we were at the beach, Rehoboth Beach, Delaware, one summer. We were there with our wives and our young kids, enjoying the time there. And I think the kids needed some sunscreen. So our wives asked us if we go to the boardwalk and purchase some sunscreen. So, of course, of course we will. We went up to the boardwalk, went to a little convenience store, got some sunscreen. We're walking back to our little spot on the beach and hey there was this kind of you know little divey beer bar right on the boardwalk you know what why don't we just sit down and enjoy a little ice cold beer on this hot day the kids will get their sunscreen soon enough okay so we're sitting there just chatting about this chatting about that we start talking about our collection forms and say you know what there might actually be a little business here what people today will call a side hustle there might be a little side hustle here with these collection forms, maybe we can do something and sell these collection forms to other dentists. So right then and there, Creative Management Resources, Inc., that's still our corporate name to this day, was born. We invested $2,000 each and never looked back, never invested another dime in this business. 
So what did the $2,000 go to? Well, we rented a PO box, fixed up an old Toyota pickup truck, obviously had some printing bills, but we learned through trial and error and taking courses with some of the greats, actually, people like Gary Halbert and Ted Nicholas. If you're into direct marketing, those names may be familiar to you. And again, this was all mail order because that's what we did at the time. Um, we learned how to write a sales letter selling our collection forms to other dentists. Now, we didn't have a real office and we were both practicing full time. So we had an answering machine. And the answering machine in those days, um, it was like a little tape and you could only talk for 20 seconds. So it was like, thank you for calling your creative magic resources home in the magic 207 collection form. Blah, blah, blah. Most calls are return on Wednesdays. Wednesdays were our dates off. So all the messages would accumulate. And every Wednesday we listened to them and return the calls. So in the meantime, we sent out a batch of sales letters for our collection forms and met at the P.O. box every Monday night. And we went there the first Monday night. And wow, there were some checks in it. Some dentists were buying our collection forms. So we took all the earnings, all the profits from that, snowballed that into more and more and more and more mailings. To Pretty soon, we were mailing to every dentist in the country educating them about how great these collection forms worked. And they really did work great. And then, you know, a few months go by, we meet at the P.O. box, and it was jam-packed with checks. It was so exciting. Well, everybody's buying our collection forms. Pretty soon, maybe a year down the road, we had about 30,000 customers across the United States buying our collection forms. This was fun stuff. And it wasn't just dentists. Somehow other people found out about it. We had optometrists chiropractors, um, churches, florists, funeral homes. I mean, talk about the difficult collection problem. I guess collecting from a dead person is probably the toughest collection problem of all. All these people were buying our collection forms. It was crazy. It was fun. It was a blast. Our side hustle was really, really a success. So about the same time, you know, word got out that these two dentists in Baltimore developed these great office forms, and, and we started getting offers to write articles for dental economics and the journals, speak at some local study clubs, which evolved to some local meetings, to some state meetings, to some national meetings. And it was so cool. It was just so much fun being with other dentists and dental team members, teaching them our success secrets to our practice and our philosophy and the way that we treated patients and treatment planned and did all those great things. And Again, this business was expanding. Now we were having articles published. We were speaking in different places and decided, you know what? It's great writing articles in what we might call the throwaway journals. But these journals are advertiser supported. So you can't really be edgy. You can't say everything that needs to be said in these journals. And we started our own newsletter called The Richards Report. And The Richards Report was eight to 12 pages, black and white. It looked like it was banged out on an old-fashioned typewriter because it was. And in the Richards Report, since we owned it and there were no ads, we were free to say anything we wanted. We could trash the insurance companies. If a product sucked and we tried it out, we could tell the truth. You couldn't say anything bad about a product in one of the other journals because they were supported by advertisers. Um, you know, we talked about stupid things that we did. We used edgy language and told stories that could never be told in a traditional journal. Even, you know, the dental economics and the dentistry today is of its time. And this newsletter took off and we had tens of thousands of people across the country reading it, um, which eventually led to our large TBSE dental convention in Las Vegas, which we did for 25 years, 3,000 attendees, um, all in one big room, people dressed in costumes. If you weren't there, 
you can never understand it. Kind of like saying if you remember the 60s, you weren't there. If you've never been to TBSE, it's impossible to explain. But of course, along the way, we said, you know what? This is great. It's so much fun speaking at all the large meetings and the small meetings. TBSE is a blast. The newsletter's fun. But we got requests for people saying, hey, can you actually come into my office and help me grow my practice? And we thought, wow, why don't we give this a try? So we learned, you know, again, through some trial and error, through things we were doing in our own offices, through working with some of the best, best coaches in the country and some of the worst. You learn from everything. Um, we started doing individual coaching in dental practices. And boy, everything we were doing was fun. But there was really nothing like seeing a dentist and dental teams light up when we came into their practices or our coaching team came into their practices and just made them do so much better. And, you know, one of the reasons I think that we were so successful in our coaching practices, a couple of reasons. First of all, Dave and I were partners in this company. We are real dentists. So many of the coaches back in those days and today, they're not dentists. They've never been a dentist. They have no idea what it's like to treat a patient, to be kicked, to be bitten, to be barfed on, to try to prep the distal of tooth number two in a patient who's flinching and bleeding and salivating. They've never fought with an insurance company. They've never led a dental team. They've never done any of these things. Most of these dental coaches today who aren't dentists, they're business people, they're MBAs, they're people that have success in other businesses. And for some reason, they decided, hey, maybe I'll go into dentistry. And I heard dentists are a bunch of suckers. I can charge them a lot of money. And they just, you know, this is like a brotherhood and sisterhood. They have no idea what it's like. And I think that was a huge advantage that even though I'm not practicing anymore, Dave's not practicing anymore, we are one of you. We know exactly what it's like. And another reason I think that we were able to help Dennis so much is that in our own practices, we were big believers in using consultants and coaches. So we used a lot of coaches and consultants throughout the years of our practices. Some of them were incredibly helpful. Some weren't. But the thing that I really didn't like when I brought a consultant into our practice is when they had these kind of pre-prescribed plans, modules, phases, whatever you want to call them. And typically, you know, I'd be working with a, a great consulting company and the head of the company spoke at the Chicago Midwinter and they were great. And then I contacted them and they had some sales team sell me on their coaching plan. And then they sent some burnt out hygienist to my office and she knew nothing about my office. All she did was know the way that this, we'll call it ABC dental coaching, ABCD, ABC dental coaching. All she knew was the protocol of ABC dental coaching. So month one, we do this. Month two, we do this. Month three, we do this. This is the manual. This is the protocol. This is the face. It didn't matter what my practice needed. It didn't matter where we were having the biggest struggles. It didn't matter where we had the biggest opportunities or where our strengths were. They did the protocol of this coaching company. And that's the way still most dental consulting companies do it. They have their way of doing it. These days, they'll ask you to watch a bunch of videos on the internet. That's ridiculous. And we said, we are not doing cookie cutter coaching every single office that we work with is going to get a customized plan to help them do better. And what else? What else? We said, you know what? One of our main philosophies is you have to have fun. If you don't love what you do every day, if the team doesn't love what you do every day, I don't care if you hit your financial goals, our coaching is not a success. So we want to make sure that everybody really, really enjoys their job. And to that end, you know, again, 
too many consultants and coaches come in and say, okay, we're going to come up with your financial goals. Then we're going to teach you how to reach them. And team members, this is our goal. We have to schedule for production. And we're going to, you know, whatever it is, produce and collect $100,000 a month. And we do that. We've hit goal. Well, you know what? What does that say to the team? This is all about money. And they all think that the dentist is rich anyway. And now they're paying somebody to come in and tell me how to make more money for the dentist. Very distasteful. So along with having fun, our underlying philosophy is let's figure out how to get our patients as healthy as we possibly can. And that means that we do a great diagnosis, that we excel at case presentation, and that we are going to have the healthiest bunch of patients around. And that means that if our patients need four crowns, they're going to get four crowns because they're going to want to have four crowns. They're going to want to be healthy. If our patients have periodontal disease, we're not going to be doing bloody prophies and be afraid of skirting the issue. We're going to properly talk to them about getting scaling and root planning, and they're going to be healthy. So as our lead coach, Betty Hayden, always says, healthy patients equals healthy practice. So yes, we want to grow our revenues. Yes, we want to make more money for the dentist and the team. But we want to do it because our patients are healthy and because we love going to work every day. So that's a somewhat abbreviated version, but I really felt compelled to do this because I know so many of our podcast listeners know nothing about the Matto Center, who we are, how we got started, how we can help your practice. So again, I'm keeping it brief. That is our special bonus issue of the podcast. If you're a practice owner and you want to talk to me personally, about how we can help your practice, I'd love to speak with you. Just go on my calendar, go to matto.com slash chat. That's M-A-D-O-W.com slash C-H-A-T. Schedule some time directly with me if you're a practice owner. We'll get on a Zoom, very casual, no obligation. We'll talk about anything you like, and maybe we'll even be able to work together so that me and our fantastic team can help your practice. And of course, our website if you want to check out what we're doing, is simply matto.com, M-A-D-O-W.com. If you want to send me an email, my personal email address, rich, R-I-C-H, at matto.com. So again, this is a special bonus, beginning of the year edition of the Dental Practice Fixers Podcast. I'm Dr. Richard Matto, co-founder of the Matto Center for Dental Practice Success. As you know, also, our corporate name now is Creative Management Resources, Inc., it's been that way for decades, and we've been around, and we're here to help you. So please, any suggestions, email me at rich at matto.com. If you want to chat, just go to matto.com slash chat. We're not going to be doing any mystery shopper calls today because this is the special bonus edition, but I look forward to being back with you really soon for some great practice building tips, some mystery shopper calls, and all the fun educational stuff you've come to expect from the dental practice fixers. Talk to you soon. Thanks. Thanks.